0: Earth, 2088 AD. Ravaged by a killer virus, the Earth plunges into anarchy. Once common resources such as fuel become as blood, and the lust for power never dies a world of chaos careening out of control down the ramp are Detonation Boulevard. Series written by Dan Mack McCloskey, Danny Atwell, and Miguel Petrova. No Episode 3 She Wears the Night I was on my knees, where she liked me, watching her bathe. She liked to talk after killing so many people. She always did, and I always listened. Mass murder made her loquacious. There wasn't even water anymore, just a red stain. She would let me drain the tub and pour more hot water in, just to keep her warm. Drain, feel, repeat. It might have been a burden to her but it was in inner paradise for me.
1: Ziggy, have I ever told you how I killed my parents?
0: No, Baroness, never. I was lying. She told me multiple times, but I didn't care. I was lucky to be in her presence, let alone hearing her talk.
1: It was a small price to pay, but I remember it like it was just a few days ago. Do divine beings scream when they die? Do they even bleed? Even mother and father didn't bleed this much when I had to kill them. Ugh, I fucking hate these mortal juice bags. No wonder nature is deciding to purge them. I needed another bath after all this. I hate being dirty. Here's to the Crimson Death. Doing what the gods, like mother and father, didn't have the balls to do. Natural fucking selection, and all that.
0: This was the first time that I heard she hated us. Humanity. Odd hit us too if I was cramping on her perfection as well. Why do you tolerate us so much, Your Grace?
1: I guess I like the attention. It's not easy being queen of all you survey, especially when you survey amounts to so many heaps of rubble and shit. For the proof that the gods of powers thereof are fucking insane. Which, again, is why I had to do what I did. (laughs) But to put it bluntly, I murdered the day and slew the night. That's who my parents were, of course. Quite literally. (laughs) My father, the lord of night, and his pathetically fawning wife, Shakuru, the lady of the day... Light and dark, dancing in beautiful harmony. (laughs) And they called me mad, which I find absolutely hysterical. I was justified in my actions. All of them. People have looked at me as being megalomaniacal, but I was the only voice of reason there.
0: I was aching in places that I hadn't ached in a long time. But once again, I didn't care. She continued to talk. Referring to things that I didn't know about, things i would never known. Blood, demons, all that made her the goddess she is now.
1: Gods love to make deals, Ziggy. Be wary if you ever meet one. There's always a catch. Always.
0: I understand, Baroness. She started talking about a scroll she needed. One she traded it all for something about Egypt, was it? The old blood in the world, the Pawnee, her brother the Northeast Star, how they were all too kind to us. The real monsters of the world, she said, were the humans. Germs, she called us, and she, Nightingale, sang the song about fate. She thanked the contagion of the pandemic. A cleansing, she called it. It was glorified to hear her speak of a world that I would never know, but only for her words or listened on in rapt attention.
1: Make yourself useful, Sig. Refill my bath once more and bring the contractor to me. There are things that must be discussed.
0: Yes, Baroness, of course. She kept talking for a little while longer, however, reminiscing about the years she spent on Earth, her brothers and sisters she wasn't allowed to kill. She talked and talked, until she waved me out of the room to go get the idiot we were keeping in the dungeon. The contractor, as she called him, that fuck.
1: Jet Hawk, another would-be hero name, like a bad comic book. It'll be nice to find out where this will end.
0: Yes, my lady, at once.
2: The next time I was awake, I was being dragged unceremoniously—I might add—down a rough-floored hallway towards who the fuck knows where. The world went black again. I hit the floor with my jaw and it woke me up hard. I groaned and I looked up as my vision slowly cleared. What I saw was a woman shrouded in shadows staring at me. There she was, the Baroness, in all her self-aggrandized glory. Well, fuck me. (sighs) Gods do walk amongst us. (laughs)
1: I'm glad you recognize divinity when you see it, Contractor, but schmoozing will get you nowhere.
2: I had to laugh. (laughs) Yeah, don't flatter yourself, honey. I live to kill gods.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? There's something we have in common. And tell me, Contractor, how do gods die?
2: I laughed harder, almost into a hacking cough that blasted a ripple of pain through me. (laughs) <laughs> usually screaming leave us Ziggy left with no complaint but I'm pretty sure he wanted to stick around just to see what would come to me fucking prick I winked at him and smiled slightly Mwah. good boy he sneered back at me
1: Chet Hawk cute moniker. Your reputation as a troublemaker to my ambitions precede you. Do you know why you've been brought here, contractor?
2: I stood my ground. She wasn't getting shit out of me. Let me guess, my delivery wasn't in 30 minutes and now it's free? Or did you just want an autograph?
1: Word of the jobs you performed has gotten out, particularly your latest assignment.
2: I set my jaw, ready for something to happen, but nothing came. Yeah, well, finding a taxi has been kinda slow these days.
1: You speak as if you knew the old world. That's fascinating. Do you fancy yourself a historian?
2: Knowledge is power. And when those with power try to inhibit knowledge for their own benefit, I make it a real good point to tell them to go fuck themselves. I knew that would hit a nerve. I didn't care. That's how I felt.
1: You carry precious cargo, something nameless but vital, and as you know, all cargo delivered into this fiefdom meets my strict approval.
2: She grabbed my face with one hand, staring daggers into my eyes.
1: What is your assignment, contractor? What is your cargo?
2: Well, you call me contractor. Then you should know the rules, your highness. We don't talk. Kind of defeats the purpose of anonymity, wouldn't you say?
1: Tight-lipped, are we? Very well.
2: She drew her dark look around her. She placed her hand on my shoulders, kind of like an old friend, but I know better.
1: No, contractor, that you can hide nothing from me. Your mind is my window, your thoughts are as letters for me to peruse.
2: It was then that I finally saw a display of her power. The shadows that were serving as her clothing began to engulf her entire body to the point where the cloak itself seemed to merge with her. I felt a rustling sensation uh, rippling through my skull. And then, she was in my head somehow, reading me like a fucking book, effortlessly. I don't know how, but I knew. To say it unnerved me is a bit of an understatement. If it had ended at that, I would have been surprised but for some reason this bitch was full of surprises. Sooner had I felt her presence in my mind, I saw the shadows melt from her face as a look of horror came over her. It was like she was seeing a ghost. Up until that instant, I would have thought that such a look could just not appear on a face like that. She recoiled violently.
1: No, no, this isn't possible. I thought they were all gone. He is of a- the blood.
2: I just stared in confusion. She was making absolutely no fucking sense. All at once, she motioned to the guards.
1: Get Ziggy in here now!
2: Oh, we're done already? We were just starting to get to know each other, and you can't leave me all blue like this. I replied sarcastically. But she looked at me if I was a cottonmouth snake. Unclean somehow. Dangerous. She wanted to get away from me. Moments later, Ziggy came back in. Yes, your grace.
1: Get this man out of here.
2: You should all kill him now.
1: No! I want you to let him go! Get him away from me!
2: Well, I was glad that I was going to live. I didn't understand what was going on. I looked at both of them just as confused as Ziggy was. I'm sorry, Your Grace.
1: Are you deaf? I said let him go! But, madam, what about his cargo?
0: What about the fact he just insulted us? I don't think...
2: I saw tentacles of shadow appear out of nowhere, grab on the Ziggy and his walked out eyes white in fear. In the blink of an eye, the Baroness was offered a throne and in his face.
0: Fuck what you think! Genocide! Blood! Sacrilege! He is the bane of my existence! All the more reason to kill him, Your Grace! Do you question my judgment? Do you finally question my authority? N- n- no, your grace, never! We'll release him immediately.
2: I was picked up by the guards and pulled out of the throne room. Didn't make any sense what was going on. But I wasn't taking a proverbial blessing like this for granted. As I was taken down the hallway, Ziggy came up and grabbed my dislocated shoulder. A savage grin came over him.
0: Many happy returns, asshole.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The fucker popped my shoulder and our back out of place. Dick. My bonds were cut and I was literally thrown out of the compound like Panzer as I tumbled onto the sandblown streets of Christ's Cross. Ow. My car was miles away and I was too hungry and tired to go much further actually figures though. No provisions, no clothing, no cable, no water. I shielded my eyes and I looked for some means of transport back to my car. Nothing. No motorcycles, no bikes, no abandoned cars to get me away from the elements. The searing sand, while cold to the touch thanks to nightfalls cutting into my skin, I ran as best as I could to a nearby alcove and perched inside. I had no idea how long before sunrise. But once that blazing ball started rising in the sky, I knew I was gonna need more than adequate cover. It was my chance to put my shoulder back into place again. I walked into the corner of the place and snapped it. A relief once again to be sure, but it still hurt like a bitch. As the cold began to seep into my aching and tired bones, a shadowy man walked through the alcove. It was as if he knew I was there. And to confirm that he did, he handed a rucksack to me. And I expected it. And it was mine. From before I was captured. Thought I lost it. You dropped this. Figured you'd need it back. Uh, what? How'd you get it back? Who are you? Who do you work for? <laughs> Who do I work for? Uh, no one in particular. I just, uh, keep an eye on things listen about two clicks to the northeast there's a car in working order a battered white SUV the um the sands will take it by morning so you need to get there quickly it's your only way out of here and um, good luck he walked away from me I got out of the alcove and yelled toward him over the howling winds hey what do you mean good luck who the hell are you He didn't even turn around, but I could hear him shout to me over the maelstrom. Just a friend. Take care. I re-entered the alcove and put on the spare clothing I had. And without too much time to spare, actually, I ran to the place where he said I could find a car. Sure enough, sports utility vehicle. Something from the old world called the Highlander. I think that was a book. And inside, were water and food rations waiting for me. There were blackout shades in case of the sun, but with the metal of the car, would still be really fucking hot without the proper cooling. The only problem was that this car wasn't solar powered, it was powered by gasoline. That wasn't going to last too much. But I had no choice. I got in the vehicle, and I noticed that it was a push-button control. Started without a key name. A computer in a car. Fucking A. Gotta love innovation. Sadly, the instruments in the computer didn't work beyond starting the engine. But the heater did, and it helped tremendously as it turned on the engine and drove down the Baroness's compound. Miles of desert stretching out before me. Days. I'd lost in their grasp. There's not much taboo left in this world now, but a contractor being tardy in his duties is definitely on the list. Alongside talking in movie theaters. The night was dark, moon hidden behind thick black clouds, plagued with purple lightning. Every time a bolt arced through them, I could see figures of flying things through the illuminated masses. I wanted to feel terrified, but I just didn't have the capacity for it, so I kept driving. I could see the world at night again. It had been years since I ran a mission this late. The LED lights on the SUV I was pushing through these half-frozen dunes showed me monsters that lurked just out of sight, waiting for prey, even half the size of the vehicle to come along, eager for their next meal. I got to see my favorite mythical animal, though and that brought a smile to my face. They're called snow snakes, long serpentine creatures that had taken the visage of frozen crystals of moisture that ran up and down the world, like living ice, they're gigantic. The smallest one I could even slightly accurately measure, tip to tail, about 26 feet long. But they pushed through the sands effortlessly, like they were gliding. Their bodies are salt white, their skin is covered in crystalline spikes to make them look like the frost, and they slithered like they were being propelled by wind. Like many of the bizarre life forms now occupying the desert, even I didn't know from where they originated or where they came from, honestly, I don't want to know. Almost everyone else I knew hated them, but I thought they were fucking fascinating. Every now and again, the headlights would reflect off their eyes, betraying their perfect color with a flash of purple, green, and gold—a glorious oddity in nature. Were these the beings that the sneakers south of the border worshipped? Nah, At least they found something to place their faith in in this fucked-up world. The wind swept dunes, yawned before me, and I pressed on. If I hurried, I could still make my checkpoint. I knew the direction, but holy shit on the stick was I tired. I had to keep going. My internal clock was a nice gift from, I don't know, god snakes, training, dominoes, maybe the fact that I swallowed a battery when I was eight. I knew the checkpoint would be expecting me come daylight, I screamed at the top of my lungs, shouted every lyric to every song I knew. I had to stay awake somehow. As terrifying as the uh, snow snakes were, the sand fleas took the cake. They were mostly mouths, filled with clear teeth, about three to four feet tall. They traveled in packs and chittered when there was potential food nearby, or when they began to close in on it. Their thin bodies were heavily armored, like they came from some kind of beetle in the before times. Long, thin legs and claws, pads, helped them scurry along the loose sand. They were curious and mean. Worse than that, they were relentless. They would swarm this vehicle if I stopped somewhere away from the checkpoint. The thought of their claws clicking and scraping the middle of the roof of the car just made my skin crawl. Ugh. That ugly shiver helped me keep driving though. The only thing that I absolutely hated was that the fuel gauge was falling down towards the E at that pace I was going. It didn't approve of my pace at all. <sighs> Fuck. I muttered out loud to no one as the horizon began to turn purple. Detonation Boulevard, Episode 3, She Wears the Night. In the cast, you heard... Miguel Pedroza has Jet Hawk. Rachel Crosby as Baroness Nightingale, Dan Mac McOsker as Jack Knight Ziggy, and Fanny Atwell as The Shadowy Man. Sound effects, courtesy of zapsplat.com. Rise by The Cult. Lucretia My Reflection by The Sisters of Mercy. I Am The Highway by Slade. Detonation Boulevard is a production of Dark Charm Media 2022.
0: All rights reserved.